The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, April the 21st, 2022. And we are here live on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And uh, we made it. We made it past the uh, you know 420 day, and we're, we're here. At least uh, I'm hoping that we all made it. And uh, here we are, and uh, we are... Looking towards the end of a of a very very busy week in sports, and uh, it just continues to keep rolling as we get ready for the NFL draft, which is now a week away, which is like Christmas morning for me. It's it's a, an event that I love, and it, it's it, you know it's really grown into something that has become something so much more than it was. Even you know even when I was growing up, and it was a big deal then. You know when we were younger, and you know the NFL draft was on TV, you'd get up early. Saturday morning to, you know, to watch the NFL draft. I just parked myself in front of the TV for the entire two days of the weekend. You know, it was like buddies would be like, hey, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's go play or whatever, you know, when I was a kid. And I'm like, no, watch the NFL draft. I mean, you come over and watch the, you know, watch the draft. But then I would like chart players and stuff like that. Like I was total, I was just a complete nerd uh, back in the day, sports nerd. I used to play video games and like chart my players' stats in the video games too. Because that was before we had like really good technology in video games that could do that for you. I had to chart all my own, uh, all my own statistics, like in baseball games and football and basketball games. Yeah, I know I was a complete nerd, but that's uh, you know that's how deep it goes. It's how ingrained it is in my blood, in my bones, and that's why I do what I do. And uh, we've got plenty to talk about today. Of course, NBA playoffs last night. There was some. Pretty exciting finishes in the uh, in the association last night, and some interesting games, some um, interesting outcomes, I guess, if you will, and just the way that you know the games are being played right now. It's it's been an interesting first round. Uh, I think it's been it's offered a little bit more uh, excitement, um, surprise, maybe a little trepidation than most of us would have expected. Uh, it's been a very competitive first round so far. Well, for the most part, uh, the Toronto Raptors try as they may, continue to get slapped around by the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll talk about that. We'll also discuss some of the games on the docket for tonight's NBA action as well. The uh, We'll talk some NFL as we do every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show, as my promise to you, and the whole Debo Samuel saga is continuing to, I mean, rapidly uh, intensify and has you know now gotten to the situation where Debo has gone to the 49ers and asked them to trade him. And once you've gone, once you've crossed that line, you can't go back. So it's over, essentially, the marriage, the the really, really brief marriage between the 49ers and Debo Samuel, whom they drafted in the uh, in the second round of the 2019 draft. That marriage is, is seemingly over now that Debo and his agent have gone to the 49ers and said, trade us. We don't want to be here anymore. I have some thoughts on on the whole situation, on why he doesn't want to be there, where he may want to go. Will it even matter? Because 
you know, as a as a three year veteran, you don't get to say where you go. You go where the team you just asked to trade you sends you. And that could be to the New York Jets, the worst offensive team in football over the last decade. So congratulations. And and you know, and look, it's 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 a it's a continuing trend in the NFL. Players who ask for money, players who and I don't want to say get greedy. Certainly Debo Samuel has has earned it. I mean, he's been one of the best receivers in the NFL since he got to the NFL. I mean, his his PFF rankings have been in the top right? he was a 20 he was a third best receiver in the league last year and some may argue he was the most valuable receiver in the league outside of Devontae Adams last year. And then in his previous two seasons, his rookie season, he was a 21st-rated PFF receiver, and I believe in his sophomore season, his second year in the NFL, he was also the 21st-rated PFF wide receiver out of 104 or whatever that they rate. So he's been one of the top performers in the NFL since he got here. Um, you know, and and I'm not going to say greed is is it. You know, the, these players feel like they've come in, they've worked hard, and you know we don't we don't live the life that they live. We're 365 days a year. They're thinking about you know health and you know how long their their career is going to be. What else they're going to be doing after their career is over. You know all the things that go you know through the minds of these football players. And knowing that it could be over in a moment, in a you know without any notice, without any warning, it could be over. You take a hit to the front of the kneecap or something like that. Uh, you blow out a hip or something like that. I mean, it's you know it's over. So I'm never going to again. I'm never going to begrudge these guys of of trying to go get their money. But you just have to understand that if that's the direction you take, your career is going to end up maybe in places that you don't want to be or in competitive situations that you don't you're not comfortable with, where teams aren't aren't competing for championships uh, anymore. That you know that that you're with and. You know, just like Aaron Rodgers, he wanted the money. He lost his wide receiver. His wide receiver wanted the money. He lost his quarterback. There, it's it's just a, it's the the way things go. If you go and ask for the money, you're going to get the money. Someone will pay you. Someone is going to pay you. It may not be a team that you want to be with, and it may not be with the players that you want to be playing with. But hey, at least you got your money. And that's some look. Some people put that above all else. And that's okay. That's everyone. Everyone is different. Like I said, I do not begrudge players of going to to get their money. Um, you are worth what somebody is willing to pay you. You know for your for your services, and everyone should know their worth. And Debo is going to get paid. Some team is going to pay him the money that he feels that he's earned, and that's fine. It just won't be with the Forty ers because the offer that they have extended Debo Samuel was rejected. So he obviously doesn't want to be there. And I honestly, I don't even think it's about the money anymore. And I don't think there's anything about the team per se that, uh, that Debo, you know, the, 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 the indications that I get from 49er players from the brass and from the, the, you know, the, the litany of, of media members who cover that particular franchise is that everything is really, really good behind closed doors in that organization. Most, for the most part, everybody gets along as, as unfriendly as Kyle Shanahan is with the media. That's kind of expected. I mean, we get that from, from coaches. There's a lot of coaches who aren't really giving with the media uh, or they're short with the media, and you know, they, you know, they take a different path. 
but behind closed doors, they're one of the most likable, fun people to be around, you know, in the business. But they just don't like dealing with the media, and that's <laughs> trust me, I get it. I don't like dealing with the media either, and I'm in the media, so I totally understand. Um, I don't think it's about the. I don't think it's about what's going on in, in that organization with Debo Samuel. It could be something as simple. And Chris Sims actually talked about this yesterday. <clears throat> I think he was on. Um, uh, I think he was on one of one of the one of the football shows, one of the national football shows yesterday. And I, I, he said basically that he believes that Debo doesn't like living in the state of California. Like he can't stand it in the state of California. He wants to go back east, you know, either go live in the south or live on the east coast where he can be closer to family, friends, places he grew up, things he's familiar with, doesn't like the California attitude, the California style, the way that business is done in the state of California. And I can't say that I blame him. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't like that. I, honestly, you couldn't pay me enough money to live in the state of California, and you would have to pay me a lot of money just to be able to live there because everything costs so much there. And it's not like Debo is hurting to survive financially in the state of California. I, I mean, it, it could be something very, just very simple of, I don't want to live here anymore, period. I need I need to move. I need to get out of here. So where will that be? I mean, maybe, maybe he ends up in Green Bay. Congratulations. Welcome to the great white frozen north. Enjoy living up there. Or, you know, I mean, I don't think this is going to happen because they don't have... Uh, they don't have the, the money to pay him anymore now that they've paid Stefan Diggs and some of the other guys. But, you know, ask some of the free agents who have gone to Buffalo for money, how much they've enjoyed living in, uh, you know, in, in that part of uh, that part of New York. You know, just it's not uh, it's not all sunshine and roses out there. You know, you're not going to get I'm as sure as I'm as much as he'd like to be traded probably to the Carolina Panthers to go back home or, you know, you know, to Washington or something like that where he can be really close to home, uh, I don't think those are in the cards. I mean, really what he's looking at is the Jets, the the Packers. Um, you know, I, I, I may be missing some, you know, some other team. Are there any other teams out there that can really – uh, give him the money that that he's you know that he's looking for. The, you know the the Chiefs are they an option? You know go to live in Kansas City. Kansas City's not not a bad place to live. Obviously, get to play with Patrick Mahomes. That'd probably be the best case scenario. But what do the what do the remember the Forty ers need to get something from him too? The Forty ers are like okay, uh, you know you want to get your money. We're going to get something for you. We've cultivated you into the player that you are. We've turned you into one of the best receivers in in football, and we're going to take our credit too. Look, folks. This is this is a huge, and I was going to even talk. I was going to talk about this yesterday because there was something else going on, and now I don't remember what it was. And I was going to use, you know, this, uh, you know, path of of thought or path of reasoning in regards to why something like this would happen. There are huge egos on the field, off the field. This is a this is a a sport, sports itself, athletics, professional athletics, uh, amateur athletics is as much about the ego as it is anything else. It's proving to everyone else that you were right, they were wrong, you're the best, they're not. I mean, it's there's so much ego involved in the world of sports that a lot of times it it kind of gets in the way of harmony. I don't even want to say gets in the way. Sometimes it just drives a giant wedge in between two entities, whether it be a player and a team, 
two different players, a coach and a player, a coach and a front office, whatever have you. There's just so much division, uh, you know, within a particular small space because the egos can get so incredibly big. And the 49ers are saying, you ain't bleep without us. We made you. And if you want out of here, that's fine. But we're going to send you to the place that best fits us, not you. And that would be the New York Jets. Because, you know, if you're reading the tea leaves about what, you know, what's available or, you know, what could be sent to the 49ers in exchange for a guy like Debo Samuel, I mean, you would take nothing less, nothing less than at least a high first-round pick in this particular draft. Yeah, you'd have to have something at least that good. So the Jets will not be willing to part with their number four overall pick, although I would say this, if you – I know that this isn't how it works because financially there's a, there's a system in the NFL and there's a table and there's a chart that people follow, which is silly to me, but nonetheless this is kind of what they do in the NFL. And there's a chart that basically gives the value of each of the picks in the first round and – GMs and and front offices will look at this and they'll say, okay, well, if we're going to trade this pick away, we need this much and it's going to equal it out. My my conversation is this. Would you rather spend the number four overall pick, because that's what the Jets are picking at, right? Number four overall. They have the number four and the number ten overall picks in the first round, two picks in the top ten. Would you rather spend the number four pick on Debo Samuel or some – some rookie, uh, you know, whomever, Sauce Gardner or one of the offensive tackles or, I mean, w- I mean, really, would, which would you, what would you rather have? If you could spend the number four, if, if <clears throat> basically going into this draft on, on Thursday, it was guaranteed that Debo Samuel would be available to you with the number four overall pick, you would take him. Like you wouldn't even look anyone else's way. The Jets who need severe help, severe help on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not degrading the, you know, the guys that they have. They just had, they've had a bad offense for a decade. It's been the worst offense in the NFL for a long time. So they, they need upgrades, period. Every team can get better. Certainly the Jets could absolutely get better at the wide receiver position. But if you, if you were guaranteed, if you told – the Jets brass that they were going to have De- Debo Samuel would be available with the number four overall pick. They would just draft Debo Samuel. They wouldn't even bother with anyone else. So why shouldn't the 49ers ask for the number four overall pick? Because if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, you go to the Jets, you say Robert Sala, you know, former employee of the 49ers, of course, defensive coordinator there for, for several years, worked on the defensive side of the ball go to Robert Sala and the, and the Jets general manager and say, you would draft Debo with the number four overall pick. We know you would. We know that you would pick Debo Samuel over Sauce Gardner, who may still be available with the number 10 overall pick, for God's sakes. So we want the number four overall pick. Even though the, the financial chart says, no, that's, 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 a, that's a, a highly tilted – uh, tr- trade in favor of the 49ers. That would be giving too much for Debo Samuel. Or is it? I mean, you have to consider the player, the impact of the player that you're getting. If you really believe that Debo Samuel is that impact of a player, you would 
draft, you would draft him if you didn't need a quarterback, and if there wasn't like a Trevor Lawrence, you know, in the draft or whatever have you, you would draft him number one overall. He, folks, he was the number one receiver last year in yards after catch, which is after in the initial catching of the football is the single most important statistic for a wide receiver. He was number one in – listen to this. This is how Debo Samuel's essentially statistical season broke down for him. He was number one in yards after catch, okay? It, you know, whatever, 18, you know, the, the uh, uh, 18.3, you know, you know, yards per reception or whatever. However, he was 65th in the league in yards per target, meaning that the amount of yardage that he made up from the time that he caught the ball to the time that he was tackled was way, like way off the charts, like even beyond what his 18.3 you know, yards per catch you know, hit, what, d- d- equated to. He was catching the ball at 7.5 yards and gaining a total of 18.5 before he was tackled. The numbers are remarkable. And like I said, outside of actually catching the football, yards after catch is the single most important statistic for a wide receiver, period. That is, that is absolutely the number one thing for a wide receiver. It's, you know, it, it's, yards per target is nice, but you're not always going to hit those because they're low percentage uh, completion uh, passes. <clears throat> if you can throw a 75% completable pass every time to a guy – and know that you're going to get 15 yards per play, why wouldn't you just, like, throw the ball to him every time? Which the 49ers basically did, or found new inventive ways to get him the football. Uh, you know, it's just, he, you know, he, he becomes so valuable when you really break it down. So, you know, everybody's out there, these experts are out there, they're like, okay, it would be, uh, the Jets would be sending the number 10 overall pick to the 49ers in exchange for, okay, but why wouldn't the 49ers ask for the number four pick? We want we want the number four pick, which makes the other deals laughable. Like, you know, I'm, I've looked at some of the deals. In fact, I'm looking at Pro Football Focus right now. They're experts who have broken down all the financial aspects of it all. They say that the the Jets are the number one most likely destination, sending the number ten overall pick to the 49ers. I say that's not enough. The 49ers probably say that's not enough. The next on the list are the Green Bay Packers. The According to the financial model, the Green Bay Packers, in exchange for Debo Samuel, would send the 49ers the number 28 overall pick in the first round, the 53rd overall pick, which is late in the in the second round, and a 2023 second round pick. Okay, they say that's equivalent to a 12th round or a 12th the the 12th overall pick in the draft. That's how the number crunchers see it. If the Kansas City Chiefs were to step in and they were to offer the 49ers something, they would be offering the 30th overall pick in the in the first round, the 62nd overall pick in the second round, then the 94th overall pick in the third round, oh, and a third-round pick in 2023, which is equivalent to the 14th pick in the draft this year. I think I don't think any of those are acceptable, in my opinion, if you're the San Francisco 49ers. You say... The Jets, we know that you have the money to sign him because you have to find the right partner, right? You're not, you're not going to just call up, uh, you know, the Indianapolis Colts or, you know, whomever and be like, hey, um, 
do you want this guy? Well, we don't have any money. Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't check your, I didn't check your financial status before calling you. Sorry, sorry to waste everyone's time. No, no, they know who's got the money to be able to do a trade and sign deal with Debo Samuel. Number one on that list is the New York Jets. They got eighteen million dollars in cap space right now, and they have the tenth overall pick. But more importantly, they have the fourth overall pick. And you know damn well, anyone. Anyone in the world of football, any fan out there, if you had your pick with number four overall of drafting anyone available in the rookie class or Debo Samuel, everyone would take Debo Samuel. Everyone. And if you didn't, you're a fool. So I think the 49ers should ask for the number four overall pick. Uh, financial models be damned. You know, I, I opened the show talking about what a nerd I was in, you know, in sports and growing up. I think you throw the nerds out the window in this particular case, and you say, look, we're just talking football. If you want to talk football players, there are few that are as impactful right now in their careers as Debo Samuel, and we want the number four overall pick, or else you can go fly a kite, and we'll go find, we'll go find somebody else. We'll find someone else in your division that wants him. How's that? <laughs> wonder if Miami would have rather had Debo Samuel than Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill an aging Tyreek Hill who's losing speed year to year. Lost a foot race to a linebacker this year. Yeah, that happened. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. It's moving quickly, though, uh, you know, as far as the, the, the trade demand goes. So I, I expect something to happen either on draft day or just before draft day um, that will put the 49ers in a position to be drafting high in the in the first round. And, look, they'll be fine. And, look, and, and every, everyone in that, in that organization knows they're going to be fine. Why? Because their egos tell them that they will be. We've done this with X player, Y player, Z player. We'll do it again with whomever we get in the draft. We don't care. It's plug and play. It's a, it's a system now for the 49ers in, in their own minds. Realistically, you need great players to execute those plans. But – you know, they'll they'll find the great players because that's what they do. They they're the best at what they do because their egos tell them that. It's a fun game. It's uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to break these things down and look at it from afar. I'd hate to be in those trenches, man. That is that is rough work. Wouldn't want to be in there. And that's probably why Jay Wright got out so quickly. And we'll talk about that coming up after the break. The playoffs are here, and you can make every game feel like Game Seven on FanDuel Sportsbook, which is an official betting partner of the NBA. And throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. Now, the no-sweat SGP allows you to choose a game that has same-game parlays that you like, prop bets, you know, whatever have you, uh, over-unders, you can pick money lines, spreads, add in some you know, player-made threes, double-doubles, rebound, whatever you want. You can customize your bet your way. And if your bet slip doesn't win, FanDuel will compensate you with up to $20 in free bets. It's awesome. Like, it's literally playing with house money because the next time you go to place a bet, you look at your bet slip, and it asks you, do you want to use your free bet? You have $5, $10, $15, $20 in free bets. And you say, yes, I would like to click that. And it doesn't – there's no stake. (laughs) You get to use their money to play with. It's awesome. And they've got so many ways for you to customize your parlays. Plus, you get paid out so quick, which is what's the uh, uh, one of the great things about FanDuel, lightning fast payouts. And if you're new to FanDuel, great. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up with my promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, and you'll enjoy access to even more great promotions like this one. Once again, that's my promo code DEAN. 
exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So lace them up this NBA postseason. Get up to $20 in free bets if your same-game parlay does not win with FanDuel Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA. 21 and over in President Arizona. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet is $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. What does the abrupt resignation of Jay Wright of Villanova say about the landscape of college basketball? What's next for Jay Wright? We'll talk about that next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. We're still giving away those digital download copies of The Batman today and tomorrow. Be listening for your cue to text. We'll be uh, getting the uh, text to win uh, coming out or uh, coming up here in, in sometime before the show ends in the next hour and 27 minutes. Uh, your chance to win the digital download of the newest Dark Knight reboot, The Batman, coming up. Stay tuned for that. All right, Jay Wright stepping down yesterday was uh, a, a surprise to everyone. I mean, like literally nobody saw that coming. Uh, I got the news uh, just same way everybody else did. Jay Wright went to Twitter and said, you know, uh, uh, you know, gave his re, you know, his little spiel as to, you know, what he's doing and what's going to be next and uh, who's going to be replacing him and all this. And it left a lot of people wondering why, well, what, what happened? What, you know, why would, why would he leave? I mean, you know, Villanova was just in the final four and he seemed to be very exuberant during their run to the final four. All, you know, almost, giddy and childlike in having a good time you know with his players and he's only 60 years old it's you know it's still young in the grand scheme of college basketball coaching coaches who coach well into their 70s in the world of college basketball and it comes on the heels of the retirements of two other hall of fame legends in Roy Williams who uh, retired before the start of this season and of course coach K Mike Krzyzewski, who used this season as his own personal swan song to himself uh, before he retired at the end of, uh, of their run in the, in the tournament. So three Hall of Fame legendary coaches, multiple championship-winning coaches, have all retired within the last 13 months of one another. Why? You know, I think it's ironic that yesterday we spent a, lar- a large part of the, part of the, the, the show yesterday talking about name, image, and likeness and its impact on the landscape of college sports. We were specifically, I was specifically talking about college football yesterday, but it certainly has an effect on college basketball. And I mentioned, you know, and, and it was almost just like, you know, kind of in passing, but it, it was meant to be impactful when I was talking about Tommy Lloyd's commitment from Bornicevich uh, the uh, the Serbian kid who's uh, who's committed and signed with uh, with Arizona to come into the 2022-23 class, and if Dalen Terry and or Azulis Tabellas were to turn pro, that he would have one of 1,490 players to choose from who are currently in the transfer portal. You know now, you know we throw around numbers like that, and it's kind of like oh, 1,490 players in the transfer portal. But you got to stop and think about it. 1,490 players. In the transfer portal, like 
How do you keep up with that? And and I'm sure that these coaches, especially at big-time programs like Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Arizona, you know, name you know the, the top programs in the country year after year, I'm sure they get bombarded by transfer portal guys that want to come play. Hey, you know, coach, check out, you know, this. I was third in the conference in scoring and second in rebounding, and, you know, I, you know we were – playing for a chance to get into the tournament. And had I been in the tournament, I'd have showed out. I mean, all this stuff, you know, and, and you know, the, the and honest, honestly, there's enough coaches on your staff, you know, you're between the head coach and two, three, four assistants that probably recruited the kid at some point, or at least went to go watch him play high school basketball at some point in time or an AAU game or something somewhere that may have even tried to recruit the kid and talk to his parents about coming to play at the school that they were at at the time, and he decided to go somewhere else, and now he's turning around to come back. Like, the the constant – people have asked me all the time, they're like, what's the worst job in sports? It doesn't – they don't even have to finish their sentence before I say college football coach. Like, it is the most tireless, thankless job in the world of sports, period. And now – you have to you have to rank college basketball coach right up there with it because it's 365 days a year and there's many sleepless nights there's so many coaches that sleep on the couch in their office and wake up and you know just put on a different tracksuit and go about their day doing their thing because they're so busy i mean I, I, you know i mean i've seen this and i've talked with people and family members of high-profile college basketball coaches and they say yeah you know we we don't see him you know it's 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 a treat when we do get to see him because he's working traveling uh constantly trying to negotiate situations between players or administration or the ncaa you know and they're constant like are you guys doing this did you check did you feel like your checklist did you do this and are you in compliance and blah 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 like it is a nonstop grind. And to be honest with you, I was having this conversation with a buddy last night, and I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if Jay Wright took the Los Angeles Lakers job. And it's the worst job in the NBA. I just I just talked about it a few days ago. Like what a horrible trash job the Los Angeles Lakers head coaching job is. And it's it's that much more enticing than being a college basketball coach. Even though you have your manhood stripped from you because of LeBron James being there and basically telling you what you need to do and the rotation you need to, to put players in and the type of players you have on your team. And you have a completely dysfunctional front office and ownership group who don't talk to one another or at least don't understand or handshake one another in, enough to know what the other side is doing. That job is more enticing than having a Hall of Fame career at a unique experience in a multiple national championship winning school such as Villanova. That's how much of a grind NIL and transfer portal have become on college coaches. And I'm not just talking about football and men's basketball. I mean, look at what Adia Barnes is going through. She lost seven players to the transfer portal this season. Seven from a team who played for the national championship two years ago. Seven players transferred. One of them announced yesterday she joined another team in the Pac-12. Nice. I wouldn't want that job. No, thank you. Absolutely not. 
I, I mean, as much as I, you know, bemoan and, and you know, curse my jobs, plural, I, 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 no way. There's no way. I, you, I mean, even if I were really, really damn good at it and making $4 million a year like Jay Wright was, no thanks. At some point, the money just becomes like, I've made enough money. I don't need to deal with this crap anymore. I'm done. I am so done with this. So after 21 seasons, a guy who won 520 games at Villanova, national championships in 2016, 2018, multiple Final Four trips, he's like, I'm out. I got a whole life, still got a whole life ahead of me. I'd like to spend some time with my family and see the people I love. I say good for Jay Wright. Maybe, just maybe, and I don't think it will, but maybe. It gets people thinking, like, let's get some real leadership in place in Indianapolis and get this thing figured out. Because while NIL is a wonderful idea, its execution has gone completely off the rails. And the transfer portal, there are some, there are some good things about the transfer portal, but again, without proper leadership, it has gone completely off the rails. It is free agency every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year in college sports. And it's, it's destroying, destroying what we love most about college sports. All of the things that we love most about college sports is destroying it, period. All right, I got to take a timeout extremely late for a break. We'll continue more with this after, um, after this on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So at 60 years old, a Hall of Fame basketball coach says, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. Chris Mack at, um, at Louisville in the middle of the season. Chris Mack, a, a respectable head coach, won a lot of games at Xavier said, I'm out. Uh, Mark Turgeon, who um, went over and, and took the job at Maryland, said, I can't do this anymore. Walked out, basically quit in the middle of the season. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, saying that these guys were right in their decisions. I don't think anyone should quit, especially on, you know, those young men who are looking at you. And, and, and you know, specifically their parents are looking at you to take care of their, their boys. Uh, when they're away. I mean, that's that's a huge part of it. Anyone who's ever been in that conversation, in that room where those conversations are happening, know that that is at the forefront of, of these parents' minds. Who's going to take care of my boy while he's away, my boy or girl? Uh, obviously, if we're talking about uh, the women's sports as well. I mean, it's it, it's become such a difficult landscape for for guys who just want to coach basketball. You know, and it's... You know, it's it's forever changing, and there's there's always things that are going to evolve in in life. Things are going to evolve, and whether it's in your profession or in your the industry that you're in, whatever have you. Uh, technology causes changes. These are changes that are just I don't know. They've just gone rogue. And I, I you know I talked about it yesterday, and I've, I've this is not the first time I've even discussed anything like this before. It's it is it's destroying. The, the world of college sports and the NCAA is doing nothing about it. The NCAA, remember folks, this is the same institution that but two and a half years ago, a little over two years ago, 
when the whole COVID thing started and coaches, administrators, conferences turned to Indianapolis, like, what do we do? They basically said, here's the bag. It's your problem now. Deal with it. Figure out how you want to do it on your own. (laughs) Oh, okay, thanks. And then we had what we had, where we had teams walking out onto the court for uh, for you know a, 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 a tournament game, a conference tournament game, and the other team wouldn't leave the locker room. In fact, they were already booking their flight home, and conferences didn't know what to do. There were certain conferences that were canceling things. The Ivy League was like, absolutely not, we're done. No, nobody's leaving their homes. We're sheltering in place, and the NCAA was just like sitting back, looking. They're like, you know, we don't have any authority in this. You guys are going to figure this thing out. Just zero. Zero engagement, zero interest in any kind of leadership at all. And I talked about this, it was either at the end of last week or the beginning of this week, the NCAA's purpose, right? They're to institute bylaws that create fair play so that you can crown a champion in any of the 19 on-campus sports. That's, That's their job. That's why they were created. But they're making a ton of money brokering television deals and rights deals and things like that. Meanwhile, not wading into the waters when they get any kind of turbulence whatsoever. It is, it's a, it's a really horrible situation right now. And when a leader is needed, no one is there. I mean, and it, it shouldn't be upon the schools to do it. I mean, why should the schools be, uh, you know, responsible for this, you know, these kinds of things? You know, if you make the wrong decision, you make yourself a pariah, and you could set yourself back years, decades, in competitive advantage and competitive balance if you make the wrong decision, which is why it has to be universal. It has to come from the top. That everybody has to do this. Everybody has to do it. NCAA's like, nope. And you know, unfortunately, the Supreme Court ruled in in in, in the the Supreme Court. Uh, hearing that was that was done in the case that was that was held there, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously in favor, essentially against the NCAA in regards to how they can govern NIL. And now it is just gone completely off the rails, and it's causing coaches to say, "I don't want this anymore." Because in this day and age, as a coach, you have to not only be amazing at your job in X's and O's, but there are so many other things. You have to be engaging on social media anymore. I mean, I know Tommy Lloyd absolutely spurns social media, can't stand it, and Sean Miller was the same way. Guess who signed up with an Instagram and a Twitter account just a few weeks ago? Not Tommy Lloyd, but Sean Miller did. Like, if you had asked me who would be the last coach to get an Instagram or a, a, a Twitter account, I would have told you Sean Miller. Like there's just there was no way he was going to he was going to do that. But you know, times are changing. And I'm not saying Tommy Lloyd needs to do it to to continue a competitive balance or you know, keep a, a competitive edge because I don't I I don't firmly believe you need a Twitter account. You don't need to engage on social media all the time. And you know, it's funny Sean all he does is just kind of retweet stuff and and you know, just use it as a platform to uplift others that he believes in people that he have worked he's worked with uh and and people that are currently working with him i don't think he's really using it much as a recruiting tool so to speak but the the world is changing and jay wright was like 
you know what, the, 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 the game that I love, the sport that I love, the way that I love to go about doing this is it's not going to be that way in a couple of years, and it's better for Villanova that they get someone else in place that will carry them to the next the next several decades of uh, of Villanova basketball, and they've you know they, they've handed it over you know to a, a a good young coach. His name's Kyle Neptune. Um, he's going to be Wright's successor. He was a, an assistant under Jay Wright. He was the head coach at Fordham for the last couple of years. He's 37 years old. He's really young. He's he's hip. He gets it, and he's ready to take on this challenge. But coaches that have been doing this for a long time, they're starting to say, you know what, we're out. Can't do this anymore. It takes a special person to be able to coach in this day and age. And I'm not saying that Jay Wright lost that edge. I mean, certainly he didn't. He was in the Final Four this year, but – there just comes a time in your life where you, you say, you know what, things are not being done the way that I want to do them anymore. I've made my money, I've won my championships, and I'm now going to enjoy the rest of my life. And whether or not Jay Wright ever coaches another basketball game again is entirely up to him, of course. But I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA comes calling. He's a fantastic coach, he's young, he's a great leader, he's an easy guy to get along with. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was really successful at the next level, to be honest. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, speaking to the next level, we'll start talking some NBA playoffs. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. 1490 AM and 104.9 FM ESPN Tucson invites you to the Great Centurions Carnival, Saturday, April 30th at the Kino Sports Complex. The annual Centurion event, Centurion, Centurion, is featuring the trip on the Desert Diamond Casino stage. It's an evening of food, fun, and music, all whilst doing the best to support local charities, which is why, why we do this, which is wonderful for the community giving back. The proceeds benefit TMC for Children, Literacy Connects, and Parent Aid. You can get your tickets and sponsorships online. Go to ESPNTucson.com. Again, that's Saturday, April 30th, the Great Centurions Carnival. Always a, a good time and for a good cause. All right, we'll talk about uh, the NBA coming up in our number two. We'll also talk some more NFL coming up. In our number two is, uh, you know, that's my promise to you is to talk NFL every single day. We've already talked some NFL in the opening segment, but there's some other things I want to get into um, as well. And there was an interesting article written by Andy Staples, who does a great job for the athletic writing for college, uh, college football for the athletic. And, you know, I love reading articles on the athletic. They're extremely well done. They're well researched. Uh, their writers do a great job of putting together stories that people want to read. Um, and I just, I, I, I honestly can't get, I, I could sit on the, on the athletic all day and read articles all day long. He did an article that he posted this morning and it was an article that was spawned from a mailbag segment that he does every single week where readers essentially, you know, write questions of things that they want to know. And it was an interesting question that was posed to him a couple of weeks ago. The question was what programs have the highest and or lowest cost per win over the last 10 years? Shouldn't those programs be lauded and or chastised more for their effectiveness or their lack thereof? And so he he dug in, like, and he was like, okay, 
which which programs are getting the most bang for their buck, uh, essentially, you, you know, spending the least amount of money per win, and that's on total football expenses because it's, you, I mean, it's public knowledge. I mean, you, you submit it to the NCAA. Uh, every administrator has to, to send this, you know, this is what we spent on football this year. And sometimes they can include facilities. Sometimes it doesn't even include facilities. You know, they certain administrations put that stuff other, in other places. But regardless, it, you know, you've got to work with what you work with. But it's also where you can find coaches' salaries for the private schools like Stanford and USC and such. Um, and it's interesting. It, it, he, I mean, he put together the list of the, all the Power 5 schools over the last decade and what they, you know, basically what they spent per win. Arizona actually came out pretty favorably in this. And it led me to think about something. And we'll talk about that coming up in hour number two. And maybe it's not so important to get yourself a big name coach, but rather someone who just wants to be here. We'll talk about that next. we still got a lot to do here in hour number two. Just a quick little two-minute turnaround to the second hour of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Come on back and join us right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXC HD4 Tucson.